0: all right good morning everyone Uh, again it's good to see everybody here today and uh, thank you so much for uh, participating with us in uh, celebrating what God's doing through uh, National Orphan Sunday and um, again please as a reminder if you've just walked in there is an ability for you to get more information about how to be involved immediately following the service Uh, Zach will have a table in the back okay so um, I'm gonna jump right into it uh, today uh, as we've been going through our series called Seasons. And today I'm going to try to link it um, as best I can to um, a concept that we saw represented up here. And I think our uh, people represented it so well when they were saying that regardless of the different seasons that they found themselves in um, they were able to meet with god and then also serve our community in a way that is fruitful and god-honoring right and so we want to touch on the concept of really uh, being fruitful in every season as a response to god's adoption of us okay god's adoption of us as the people of god and so let's pray and then we'll get into our bible reading today father thank you so much for your good word to us today god it's always good news it's always good news that you gave us that you've rescued us from the dominion of darkness you've rescued us from hell and put us on the glorious track of eternal life in christ jesus our lord and we're praying today that god you would help us to understand that good news understand that grace and to respond to it appropriately living lives worthy of the calling that you have on us in jesus name amen Okay, so we're going to talk uh, today about when God chooses us. I'm going to try to um, make this a Bible study that we go through, and we're going to go, not just topically, but we're going to just go through the Scripture today, okay? Go through the Scripture and allow the Scripture to uh, speak for itself, but frame our thinking about the seasons of life that we find ourselves in. Um, To do so today, we're going to talk about the stages of life. Um, that we can find ourselves in in our walk with God. Number two, um, talk about when God chooses us. And then number three, talk about the idea that we can be fruitful in every season. Okay? Again, that's the stages of life we're in, when God chooses us, and then finally, being fruitful in every season. So if you have a Bible today, you can turn to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, we're gonna read verses 7 through 17 together. 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 through 17. Now, if you're not familiar with the Bible, this was a letter that was written by one of Jesus' 12 apostles. And he was John the Beloved. Um, he was one of uh, not only Jesus' 12, but he and the gospel that he wrote was said that he was known as the disciple whom Jesus loved, and I love that because he was the one who wrote that, and so the thing about it is, is that he was the one that Jesus loved, but he had an intimate relationship with Jesus. You see that even on the day that Jesus was betrayed, he was um, at the Passover meal with Jesus, and he was leaning against Jesus chest. And they had a relationship where they were not only, he was not only a follower of Jesus, but he was intimately involved in even the miracles that Jesus did, right? A lot of times you saw him performing, Jesus performing miracles throughout the gospel. And there were times that there were doubters around and Jesus would send the doubters out of the room and he would say, hey, give me Peter, James, and John, right? Peter, James, and John, you come with me on the inside. I'm going to perform this miracle and then we'll go out and let everybody see this miracle that I just performed. So John sort of had a inside track to some of the things that Jesus was doing. So if we're learning about intimacy with God and what it means to walk with God in such a manner, we want to hear from somebody like that, right? We want to hear from somebody like that who was used of the Holy Spirit to give us instruction about the different seasons of life that we find ourselves in. And so John's writing to the church and he says, beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Right? So one of the defining defining fruit of actually a life changed by god or somebody who's walking with god is that they love their brother that they can actually get along with other people now you've had plenty of people before i'm sure that you've seen who have uh, had an ornery disposition but have called themselves christian anybody seen that before okay but the bible says very specifically that if somebody's been changed by god they have love in their hearts towards their brothers it's part of the darkness passing and he says this that whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother and still in darkness whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes So he's saying eventually, uh, I want to draw this line in the sand and show you that if you're walking with God, this needs to be the fruit of your life. But then he talks about stages of life as we're maturing in God and as we're walking in God. And this is where we'll begin the idea of stages of life. John writes to the church and he says, all of you are going to be in different stages, but I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Then he says, I'm writing to you fathers. He jumps ahead to fathers. He says, I'm jumping ahead to fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, backs it up a little bit, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Then he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So all of a sudden you see that whenever John's talking about uh, life and God, we all know that we all start off in different stages in life, right? Just as we grow naturally, we also grow spiritually But the expectation is that we grow. Whenever somebody comes to God, even if they've grown up in the church, they start off with a word that Jesus uses very adamantly when he says that unless a man or a woman is born again, they can't see or enter the kingdom of God. Literally saying that it's not enough that you grow up in an atmosphere like this. It's not enough that you grow up in the church or even being exposed to the word of God until there is a transforming work of the Holy Spirit in your life by the word of God. He says, there is darkness in your soul. There is a blindness in your eyes. You can't see God properly or respond to him properly because naturally you were born a slave to sin. Does everybody realize that? even if you grew up in the church you were bound over to disobedience you are bound over to sin and when god gets a hold of you initially he makes you a new creation by the word and the spirit of god through your repentance from your sin your trust in jesus death burial and resurrection and he literally through the gospel makes you a new creation in christ that's the good news of the gospel But when you start over, whether as a child or you are a grown man, for instance, me, I was 18 years old whenever I came to faith, whenever I came to Jesus. I had a whole life that I lived outside of him, right? Some of you in here have been older than that. You've lived a whole life separate from God, separate from sin, and then you repent and believe the good news, and then in your adult years, you all of a sudden become brand new, And all of a sudden, you're like a child again, right? Feeling that you're almost like Bambi. Remember Bambi, right? Like stumbling on the um, road and like having those shaky legs. You're having to figure out what it means to walk with God again. That's God addressing the church as children whenever they start over again. But whenever you walk for a period of time, there's a maturation process, right? Where you start to not only grow in the knowledge of God, but then you begin to put the word of God into practice practice. That's whenever um, John is talking to the church as young men. And then finally, whenever we see fathers, him addressing people as fathers, and that applies to mothers in the faith as well, we see that there's been a history, a history with God, not only walking with him individually yourself, but any father or mother, they're identified by what? They're identified by the fact that they have children, that they actually have people that they've taken responsibility for, and the knowledge or the grace that they've been given in God they're passing on to others. And we see that this is the progression of faith. There are stages of life in every Christian's development in God. And part of developing in God is first understanding where you are in that process where you are in that development. Because regardless of where you find yourself today, God has a message for you. And in that place that you find yourself, God wants to affirm you where you are in him and then take you by his grace to the next place. But if anybody's finding that they are just coming from the outside in, they need to understand, first of all, what R.C. Sproul said. He said, nobody is born into this world a child of the family of God. That's a strong statement, but does everybody understand that? Nobody is born into this world a child of the family of God. Back in the day, I remember my, one of my favorite songs is, we are the world, we are the children. Anybody remember that song? We are the ones who make a brighter day. So let's give giving, right? And then Michael will come and say, there's a choice, we'll make it. Okay, anyway. But the point is sort of like, you know, it's like we are the world, we are the children. We're all talking about being God's children, right? But the thing about it is like though we're all created by God, we're not all God's children by birth. He goes on to say this, that we are born as children of wrath. That's what the scripture says, that we're by nature objects of wrath. The only way we enter into the family of God is by adoption. You see that as a theme over and over again in Scripture. And this is the beauty of something like Orphan National Orphan Sunday, is that we get to see in the physical that which God has done for us in the spiritual, that though we were objects of God's wrath, because of our sins by nature, we can be adopted into the family of God through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. He goes on to say, I'm sorry, go back a little bit. He goes on to say, the only way we enter into the family of God is by adoption. Then going on, he says, and that adoption occurs when we are united to God's only begotten son by faith. When by faith we are united with Christ, we are then adopted into that family of whom Christ is the firstborn. And so, whenever you see the adoption take place, the first thing that John's writing to people is he said, Listen, children, the first thing that you need to understand is that your sins have been forgiven on account of his name, right? That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection on the cross is that everybody, no matter where you started, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from, your sins can be forgiven on account of his name because Jesus paid the price for sins on the cross. So were you coming in here addicted to something? Good news, Jesus can set you free. Were you coming in here having been a blasphemer? Good news, you can repent and God can forgive you of that sin. Were you somebody who broke apart your marriage or broke apart your home? The good news is that though there are consequences to be paid, God says he can forgive you and start you on a new track today to give you a new future, a new history, a hope, and a future in him, right? Through the good news of Jesus Christ. but when you are receiving that, you're often often um, rele- relegated to being in a place of just a child, right? A child. It's like, my goodness, I'm just happy to be in the family." And most Christians, most Christians, remain in that place for years, for years. Because what they don't do is they don't learn how not only to be forgiven of sin, but actually overcome the sin that they've been forgiven of. How many people know they're two different things? Those are two different things. Being forgiven for something and actually learning to overcome the thing that you're being forgiven of are two different issues. When Jesus said, if anyone chooses to obey my teaching, they will know the truth and the truth will set them free. He's not just talking about freedom from the penalty of sin, which would be an eternity separated from God in hell. The good news is, is he's saying, not only can you be forgiven, but I'm going to empower you. Everybody say empower you. I'm going to empower you by my Holy Spirit to live free of the sin that you are forgiven of. Isn't that good news? So for me, personally, when I came out of a life of sexual immorality, I was bound by it previously. I walked out into my day shackled in my eyes, shackled in my heart, shackled in my interactions with people. But when Jesus set me free, I was given a brand new lens. I was given a new heart and a new spirit, and I was reminded of that day by day as I went to the Word of God. So regardless of how I felt, I was actually able to walk out by faith the power that he had invested in me because he said, listen, Roland, I'm not just telling you you're forgiven of your sins, but I'm giving you my word, which is going to live in you. And it's going to be like Popeye's spinach, baby. It's sort of like you come against Brutus and you're like, it's like, yeah, I'm able to overcome overcome the very sin that I was once bound by. I don't have to go in the same cycles over and over and over again saying, God, here's my, here I am again. And just as surely as I say, God is good. God is great. Let us thank him for this food, right? And then forgive me for what I just did again. How many people know that's what a lot of Christians just reduce their relationship to God to? Just God, forgive me again when they go to confession with the priest, right? I always say this. They say, Lord, forgive me for what I did yesterday. Forgive me for what I did today. And Lord, forgive me for what I'm about to do tonight. Right? Because they have no intention of changing that which they've been forgiven of because they don't understand the power of the gospel. It's not just about forgiveness. He says, when you mature, young men or young women, I'm writing to you because the word of God lives in you. And through that maturation, you're able to overcome the evil one. You're able to overcome the evil one. Meaning that when temptation is thrown your way, you can win. Isn't that good news, Christian? Yes, that is good news, that I am not bound by the temptation that's thrown at me every day because I can keep my eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of my faith. And through that faith, I'm able to live differently. And until I get to a place where I've embraced that, I'm still a child. Doesn't matter how many gray hairs I have. I don't have much, much hair left to lose. But listen, it's like, it's like I can grow chronologically but still be an infant spiritually. And God's like, I want you to mature in me knowing that the word of God lives in you. And through that word of God, you overcome the evil one. And then finally, he says to fathers, I'm writing to you fathers. Why? Because you've known him who's from the beginning. What does that mean? That means that they've had a walk, right? Right? They've had a walk where it's like, I've been at this for a while. And not only have I been at this for a while, but now I'm passing on some information to those who are coming after me, right? I'm saying, hey, listen, if you want to learn how to walk the walk and talk the talk, follow my example as I follow that of Christ. That's what the nature of discipleship is. And everybody in here, once you've walked with God for a period of time, here's the good news God wants you not only to be a disciple, but to be a disciple maker. He wants you to be a disciple maker. That's what a father or a mother in the faith is. It's somebody who takes responsibility for other people and says, I'm going to teach you to obey everything that I myself have been commanded by him. That is the nature of the stages of life. Now, the thing about it is, is that if we... have this as an ambition. We have this as an ambition. We need to understand that it's only because God chose us, not that we chose him, that we're able to walk in this manner. Because I know you, this, like, just like you, it feels like a high call. It feels like a big responsibility, and it feels like something that can be a weight at times. Anybody felt that way before? Okay, it feels like man, I want to what I could, I should have, but it feels heavy. But the good news is, is that when we come into the grace of God, we know that it's by grace that not only have you been saved, but it's by grace that you mature in the things of God. The same grace that you had at the beginning is the same grace that matures you along the way, meaning that God's grace is there to meet you when you're a child. God's grace is there to meet you when you're a young man or a young woman. God's grace is there to meet you when you're a parent. Isn't that good news? He says that, like, listen, I am, I've been walking with God for about 23 years now, but I know that I need the same grace today and so much more, so much more than when I first started so much more than when I first started, because I've lived long enough to see how imperfect I am. You see, when you're young, you, you, you think you're, you know, large and in charge. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? You, you just think you have it all together. The longer you live and the more opportunity that you have to do what's right, the more mistakes you make. <laughs> Anybody realize that? That's why whenever Jesus had a woman who was brought to him, an adulterous woman, And the religious leaders of the day said, listen, Jesus, this woman's been caught in adultery. John chapter 8, this woman's been caught in adultery, and our law says that we need to stone her for what she's done. And you know what Jesus replied with? Jesus said, hey, listen, here's my answer to that. Let he or she who's without sin cast the first stone. And then Jesus got down and started to draw in the sand. See, Jesus was the original cool breeze, right? Everybody was all up in arms, but Jesus was just drawing in the sand. And then it said that everybody, everybody started to go away, dropping their stones, one by one, first the older going down to the younger. And Jesus got up and said, hey, listen, does nobody condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. Lord. And he says, all right, then neither do I condemn you either. Now go and leave your life of sin. Go and leave your life of sin. Why did the older ones go first? They realized how much they needed the grace of God. They understood that regardless of how old I get, I need the grace that's got to come to this woman at the beginning. I need it in my older age too. And the only thing that's going to give me encouragement to progress through the stages of life to get to a place of fruitfulness is knowing that the same grace I started with is the same grace that's going to keep me. Because when you get loaded down after a period of time of trying to do what's right with your mistakes, that can keep you from progressing in him. But this is what a good picture, I saw a good post recently that said this about our uh, mentality that we need to have that summarizes the gospel for us. Religion, as, a, like, as expressed by the Pharisees who were really willing to stone that woman, said, I, must, uh, I messed up, my dad is going to kill me, right? Anybody have that picture before, um, towards God before? I messed up, my dad is going to kill me, I can't even bother to pray now. I can't even bother to show up at church. I can't even show show my face to those who I told at my baptism I was going to do it right now. I can't even show up. But religion says that, dead religion. The gospel, on the other hand, says, I messed up. I need to call my dad. I messed up. I need to call my dad, right? Right? Because of the cross, the same righteousness that you have at the beginning is the same righteousness that you're going to have at the end. The only difference is you're maturing in the midst of that righteousness. Does that make sense? You're becoming a different man or a different woman as you mature in him. But your perspective is different because you know it's by grace through faith from beginning to end from beginning to end, and you have a God who's for you, not against you. Not against you. He said, if he didn't spare his own son, whenever we were enemies of his, how much more so, now that we belong to him, will he not graciously give us all things in him? It's when God chooses us that we actually understand adoption. We understand the fact that in adoption, the beauty of it is—is is one of my favorite Disney movies—is uh, Meet the Robinsons. Anybody ever seen Meet the Robinsons before? Okay, one of my favorite ones. Okay, and the thing about Meet the Robinsons is that you remember Goob? Remember Goob, who was always trying—I you know mean, to get noticed, always trying to get adopted, and then he got bitter and ornery over the course of the many years. And he, like, turned into the evil man with the hat. So the thing about it is that's what happens when people are just bound by religion, right? It's like I've tried and I feel condemned and I, I feel beaten up and I feel angry and I feel bitter because this is always hanging over my head, right? Like, one of, before I became a Christian, my friends were always talking to me about Catholic guilt. You know what I'm talking about? It's sort of like I just feel guilty all the time. It's sort of like it doesn't matter what I do, I just feel like somebody's against me and I'm condemned. But here's what the gospel says. You have somebody who fought for you. You have somebody who actually is coming to your rescue. You have somebody who's actually trying to give you a second chance. And when you actually understand that, then you can come to him in a posture of grace saying that, you know what? Even though I have things to work on, I'm going to continue in my maturation process. And matter of fact, even if I've gone to a certain place in him, I'm going to step out in faith knowing that I can go from being a child to my prayer life doesn't have to just be about God forgive me again. It can be about God help me overcome this. And then not only can I overcome this thing, but now I can actually step out in faith not being perfect and invest in my coworker or my neighbor. Or somebody with Safe Families Plus, right? Because I don't have it all together, but it's by grace that I'm sharing with them the good news that I'm walking in. That's available to them too. Why? Because we don't preach ourselves, but we preach Jesus as Lord. And ourselves continually as as people's servants for Christ's sake. That's what happens when God chooses us. In an adoption, the parent comes and chooses the child the child doesn't choose the parent. That's the good news. If you're in here today, it's because God chose you. If you haven't bowed your knee to Jesus today, but you're in here, the good news is God's trying to choose you. You've just got to respond in faith and repentance to him and be made new. When God chooses you, it's by grace. But finally, we see that because it's grace from beginning to end, that we can be fruitful in every season. The goal is to be fruitful in every single season. When you're a child, you can be fruitful. When you're a young man or a young woman learning to live by the word of God, you can be fruitful. When you're a father or a mother in the faith, you can be fruitful. In every season, God's got fruitfulness for you. I love that picture that was right up there when we started about um, Orphan Sunday with uh, our different uh, people who are involved in uh, safe families or foster care. You heard what Christina said, right? Christina is a single mom right now. Is a single mom actually choosing in that season of life to be fruitful unto the things of God that are concerning to him, right? You saw Billy and Lily. Guess how many babies they have? Four. Four. Busy. Anybody know that's busy? Okay, come on now. Listen, even if you don't have kids, that's busy. Okay? Got four too. Okay? And what were they doing? They were fruitful in the season of life where they had kids, right? Ben and Kendall, right? What are they? A married couple without kids right now. Fruitful in that season, right? Right? So whatever season of life you find yourself, you can know that God wants to make you fruitful unto the ends of the gospel, progressing you through that First John scripture. Does that make sense? What he's saying is that we've just got to commit ourselves to the progress. I know there was a preacher who um, actually said a long while ago, he said, listen, I used to preach to young people. And whenever I used to preach to young people, the devil used to always tell me, he used to whisper in my ear, he's like, listen... <coughs> He used to say, I'm sorry, when he was a younger man, he said, you're too young. He's a 20-something year old when he started preaching. You're too young. Nobody wants to listen to you. You don't have enough experience in life. You don't have enough to say. And he kept preaching and he kept preaching and he kept preaching, being faithful to God's Word. And then eventually he aged over the years. And then he went into his 40s. And then he got into his 40s. And then all of a sudden the devil changed his tune. He's like, now I'm still preaching to young people, but now you're too old you're too old and nobody wants to listen to you. You're irrelevant now. And he asked the question, well, when was I the perfect age? When I was in my 20s, I was too young. Now I'm in my 40s. Now you're telling me I'm too old. He's always trying to push us out of a place of relevance and fruitfulness. But in God, he's saying literally that whatever stage you find yourself in, if you find yourself in him, you're going to be fruitful. Why? Because you can carry that spirit of adoption. You can carry that spirit of adoption that God himself ministered to us with. John Piper actually said it this way. He actually said this. He said, the gospel is literally not a picture of adoption. Adoption, on the other hand, is a picture of the gospel. You see that? Just think about that for a minute. The gospel is not a picture of adoption. Adoption is a picture of the gospel. And so whatever season of life you find yourself in, he's basically saying, "I want to make you fruitful as you remain in me. Remain in me, and my words remain in you, I'll make you fruitful. That's because my Father's glory is what Jesus said, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my what. Disciples. But he didn't qualify it by age. He didn't qualify it by season of life. The only thing that he used to qualify it was what? That we remain in him and that his words remain in us. That's the qualifier. Remain in me. My words remain in you, and you'll show yourself to be fruitful, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And that's why when John finished up this understanding about the stages of life, when God chooses us of being fruitful in every season, he ended it by saying this, going back to that first John chapter two verse. He says, how are you going to remain fruitful? This is how you remain fruitful. Do not love the world do not love the world. Why? Because if you're loving the world and the things that are in the world, you only have so much space in your heart, time, energy, attention, and affections. Is that not right? He said, you only have so much space in your pursuits. So he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the world system, the love of the Father is not in him. Why? Because there's no room. There's no room to love him and the world at the same time. He said, Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. Go on. He says, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes, just give me, give me, give me, more, 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 pursue, pursue, my material world. I'm a material. Okay, so he says, and the pride of life, just growing into power and being able to boast to people, about what I've achieved and what I've done and how many letters are behind my name. He said the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. What we're not talking about is God-ordained achievement. You understand that? We're not talking about God-ordained achievement because God in his covenant says, I'm gonna make you the head and not the tail, at the top and never at the bottom. You're gonna lend to many nations and borrow from none. What, you are gonna be the salt and light of the world a city on a hill which cannot be hidden. Do you know God wants to place you Christian in places of authority so that you can speak to the world systems and bring the kingdom of God and his wisdom to the ways of this world. Everybody know that. But he says, I want you to do it with the right perspective and the right heart. Moving from a place of being a child to a young man or a woman to actually actually being about your father's business, being a father or mother in the faith where you're passing it on to others and teaching those who come behind you this upside down kingdom that will lead to eternal life that's what he has for you and that's what he has for us as a people so today as we finish as we think about the stages of life god's choosing of us and the fruitfulness that we need in every season my appeal to you is to ask the question where am i now where am I now, and where have I been for a period of time? Have I just been in a cycle of just being an immature Christian, just going in a cycle of being, uh, having a not a childlike faith, because that's a good thing, but a childlike relationship with God only being about my sin? Or am I willing and have I progressed to a place where I'm allowing the Word of God to live in me so that I might actually overcome the evil one and live in the freedom that Jesus purchased for me? And if I've been doing that for a while, then Lord knows it's time to have some babies. It's time to actually get involved in other people's lives. You see, because when, when John was talking here to the children, he wasn't talking just to natural-born children of his. He was talking to those who were children in the faith children in the faith. When Paul was talking to people, he said, this is Timothy, my true son in the faith. I've invested in him and I've actually seen God bear fruit in his life too. It doesn't matter if you have natural children or not, you can have spiritual children as you grow and develop in God to be fruitful in every season of your life. Amen.